most of the Bitcoin mining is in uh, places where heat is not valuable, like Texas. I'm from Norway and here heat is so valuable because it's so cold here. You can uh, build much larger greenhouses in northern Norway, for example, by repurposing the waste heat from Bitcoin mining because it subsidizes the heating cost. So you can afford to build huge, like massive greenhouses there, which was not possible before. So you can increase the food security in northern Sweden, uh, Iceland, Canada. Uh, there's a miner in Canada called Mint Green. They are delivering heat to a, to a city. In two, three years, it will be even more innovation from Bitcoin mining and the energy industry joining forces. I want to start off with this. What is it like to be like, or to be researching public equities, but like not live in the US? Can anyone invest in the US stock market from anywhere? At least uh, it's really easy to do it from Norway. And I think from the rest of Europe too. Like I can own it through different banks like Revolut, for example. They have a zero fee uh, stock trading with American stocks. Uh, there are also some Norwegian brokerages who offer offer American uh, stocks in Norway, uh, but I guess the fees are a bit higher than in, if you are located in in the US. But uh, yeah, it's it's really accessible here in Norway as well. So then, tell us about Arcane and tell us about your background. Yeah. So uh, I can tell about my background first and how I got into Arcane and what I do at Arcane. So um, I've been interested in uh, stocks for a long time, since I was a teenager. And uh, I was uh, like uh, doing uh, value investing, I would say. Uh, I like to look at the balance sheets and the cash flows of companies and try to find their intrinsic value. And if the intrinsic value is, is uh, higher than the stock market value. Uh, I like this stock. It's not so important for me which sector it is. Uh, so when I was a teenager, I really looked up to Warren Buffett. I still uh, I still like Warren Buffett, although he doesn't like Bitcoin. Um, and um, but I it was like 2017, 2018, 2019, and uh, growth stocks really outperformed value stocks. It was in the beginning of this high inflationary environment when uh, when the stock market was like pumped up by uh, by uh, all the money printing, uh, and all my friends who just invested in the most risky growth stocks, they were having much better returns than me, and I was uh, I was uh, a bit angry because it was I that did all the analysis, and here comes people who not really know anything about the stock market and they are crushing crushing me um and then came like uh, 2017 and uh, some of some of these friends i talk about they started to invest in bitcoin and i didn't really at that time understand the value proposition of bitcoin um but i decided to to also invest in bitcoin so i I bought Bitcoin in the summer of 2020, uh, 2017, first time at uh, $3,000. And then one month later, it uh, fell down to $2,000 and I sold everything. <laughs> and, uh, and then, as you know, in December 2017, six months later, Bitcoin hit 20000 So I missed a 10x return there uh, if I had just hold it. 
and naturally this made me hate bitcoin so at that time i really hated bitcoin because i had missed out on this uh, huge return so i really understand the psychology behind a lot of people who hate bitcoin a lot of them just missed out they had the opportunity to invest early in bitcoin but they didn't and that's why they hate it but anyways uh, as the years went by i um I still invested in stocks and then uh, in 2020 in the spring when uh, the lockdown started I uh, sat at home during lockdown and I could see uh, and I hadn't really questioned the monetary system before that I just assumed that everything was okay mm-hmm. uh, but although I understood that stocks were starting to become really overvalued but then I saw like how much money they were printing and I started to research the, the mon- monetary system and how the Fed worked. And Wait, can and- I ask you, while you're, so when you're learning about value investing and then you watch your friends in the growth stocks outperform and just even that first question where I'm like, how, how does it work to invest in the American stock market from outside US? How, like what currency, so while you were learning about value investing and doing all that stuff and your friends were crushing it, how, what is how did you think about currency during that time prior to learning about like monetary policy more in depth? I didn't think about currency at all um, mm-hmm. because in Norway, we have had a really stable currency for a long time. Okay. And, th- and that's the same with the US dollar. I never questioned it until the lockdown started and I had a lot of free time and I could see how much money they were printing. And I remember I was sitting in um, on my couch with my computer, uh, seeing this graph of how the money supply was increasing. And I was like completely shocked. And at that moment, it was like a, a lightning strike. Bitcoin. What, uh, what, yeah. uh, then I understood the value of Bitcoin. Like I understood, uh, I never understood it before. Then I understood it. And I decided to spend all my time just researching Bitcoin. And uh, I did, I spent the whole summer of 2020 researching Bitcoin. I uh, put all my money into, into Bitcoin. And um, I was studying energy management at that time. And I had to write my master thesis. And I was like, how can I continue to study Bitcoin while I write my master thesis? I don't want to spend my time writing master thesis about something I not under, uh, think is interesting. So, and I was like, Okay, uh, Bitcoin mining consumes a lot of energy. Uh, I study energy management. Probably I can write something about Bitcoin mining. And um, I, it ended that I wrote my master thesis about uh, Bitcoin mining as a demand response in ERCOT mm. in Texas. So I studied how the Bitcoin miners there balanced the grid. And uh, that was really interesting. And during this process, I cooperated with uh, Arcane Research uh, and they, they offered me a job after. So that was how I got into, into Bitcoin and, how, and mining. And uh, so it was like coincidence that it was mining and not some other Bitcoin related things. Uh, it's this part dependency, you know, um, but... It, and after that, I just really uh, continued uh, working on uh, mining research, and mm-hmm. it sort fits perfectly with my background from from value investing and stock analysis mm-hmm. because you have all these mining stocks that where which uh, 
I think are not enough analyzed and you see some mm -hmm. huge uh, uh, discrepancies in their evaluations. Uh, even some of the worst operational companies have the highest valuations and you can find right. some really hidden uh, gems there. So right. that's, that's perfect. Yeah, no, and your thread on like the valuations and like the public stocks ranked is excellent. And I want to cover that. Uh, one more question on the currency part. When, so what is the currency of Norway? And when you would be value investing, what, did you think about your gains in dollars or in your local currency? Uh, we have uh, our currency is called the Norwegian Krona. Um, and uh, I was always just thinking about uh, returns in the Norwegian krona in my in my local currency, um, but the Norwegian krona has uh, has actually uh, declined relative to the dollar the latest years and especially the last year. So that's one positive thing about holding Bitcoin from Norway. Mm -hmm. uh, no, and that's really it. Just life is good. Like how you're, you're like being in university, studying energy policy and then find like just having the lightning bolt about Bitcoin. Uh, and that's just, it just is cool. How then you like arcane in a place, like it just seems cool to be able to work at a place that you're like passionate about. And it seems like that comes across. So that's, that's cool. I wanted you to, so define for us like the Bitcoin energy opportunity. I want to I want to define the opportunity and define like the main problem, the main like boogeyman problem that's out there. So start with either of those. Start with the problem if you want, or start with the positive side of just what is the opportunity. Like when you say demand response or broader than that, like what is the opportunity? Yeah. So um, uh, the opportunity for Bitcoin mining to transform the energy system is massive and it's only really constrained of the bitcoin price um, because the bitcoin price it's really uh, what uh, limits how much energy bitcoin can, mining can consume in the future so but if the bitcoin price goes to let's say 1 million 2 million or something like that then uh, the energy consumption of mining would be uh, big enough that it can have a really transformative effect on the energy sector uh, because for the first time we have a one energy uh, energy consumer that is completely interruptible can turn on off adjust its consumption at a moment's notice um, and two the geographic flexibility of bitcoin mining a bitcoin miner can be anywhere in the world and it can also scale the operation in uh, in a modular way. So if an uh, energy producer needs, let's say they have 20 megawatts uh, megawatts of capacity, you can get a Bitcoin mining, uh, mining load, which is exactly 20 megawatts. And if uh, you need to reduce that capacity to 18, 17 megawatts you can uh, reduce the bitcoin mining load really easily by just adjusting the number of machines so you never had an energy consumer which is so flexible as a bitcoin miner and uh, we see right now there are mainly four ways uh, which bitcoin mining is uh, is uh, providing positive value to the energy industry the first one is demand response that bitcoin miners can help balance the grid and uh, they get paid. Uh, they get paid handsomely uh, for for doing for delivering these grid balancing services, which shows 
which how big of a value it is to the grid. And the second uh, second way Bitcoin miners can help the energy industry, it's uh, to uh, to ha- serve as a behind the meter load, uh, which uh, gives the the energy producer the the optionality of selling bit selling uh, power to the grid or to the Bitcoin miner, and that's uh, that's uh, really works for renewable generators like wind or solar but it can also work for nuclear power plants which is it's a baseload power you know so it's a baseload source so they can't adjust their power production they so coupling a bitcoin mining behind the meter with uh with a nuclear power plant is is uh, really smart because in that way the the nuclear power plant can can uh, can get uh, can adjust its power power production based on the on the bitcoin mining uh, and you also can uh, can use bitcoin mining to mitigate na- natural gas flaring that's happening uh, you and one one uh, one last uh, thing you can do which is i don't think it's talked enough about uh, it's uh, repurposing the waste heat from Bitcoin mining, and I think uh, in uh, the reason why this is not so, the last point has not become so big yet is because most of the Bitcoin mining is in uh, places where heat is not valuable, like Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm from Norway, and here heat is so valuable because it's so cold here. So if you have a Bitcoin mining operation in northern Norway, uh, you you should reuse the heat, and in that way you can create so much value. You can use the use the power two times, um, and I know that uh, Bitcoin miners in northern Norway they are having huge plans of uh, repurposing heat, building massive greenhouses, and uh, you can you can. Uh, you can uh, build much larger greenhouses in northern Norway, for example, by repurposing the waste heat from Bitcoin mining because it subsidizes the heating cost. So you can mm-hmm. afford to build huge, like massive greenhouses there, which was mm-hmm. not possible before. So you can increase the food security in places like that. Uh, in northern Norway, Norway's, northern Sweden, uh, Iceland, Canada... Uh, there's a miner in in Canada which is uh, called Mint Green. They are delivering heat to a to a city. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, you can do all sort of things, and I guess there in two three years it will be even more things you can do, like more innovation with uh, from Bitcoin mining and the energy industry are joining forces. All right. So beautifully said. So what's the problem? Like, why do we keep hearing about this problem and this boogeyman? Like I said, what is what's so bad then? It's uh, nothing bad about energy consumption. Uh, it's uh, it's a uh, it's a good thing. Bitcoin mining is only consuming the waste energy, and it's because to to mine Bitcoin, you have to to get so cheap energy that if you're competing for energy as a Bitcoin miner against households, you will not survive in the long term as a miner because households have a much higher willingness to pay for energy than a Bitcoin miner. A Bitcoin miner will only survive long term if they have, like, let's say, less than five cents 
per kilowatt hour. But if energy is so cheap, it means that it's really it's not valued in the market where it is. So and that's per definition uh, waste waste energy. I would say, for example, in northern Norway, we have energy is so cheap; it's like one two cents per kilowatt hour. But in southern Norway, it's much more expensive. It's like twenty cents or something like that. Because Southern Norway is connected to the European power market, while Northern Norway is, is uh, not connected even to su- Southern Norway. So we have a lot of stranded energy in Northern Norway, st- stranded hydropower. So that's why all the mine- miners from Southern Norway now are moving up to Northern Norway. Um, so I would say that consuming energy that otherwise would be wasted or sold for almost nothing it's uh, it's uh, it's a good thing it gives yeah. energy producers higher revenues that incentivizes development of more energy production and it eliminates waste and i don't understand how that can be a bad thing especially if the if the power consumed is renewable uh, but uh, but uh, eliminating waste of non-renewable energy is also a good thing in my opinion so yeah. um so like why is why is, are some people considering bitcoin mining's energy consumption a problem it's just that they are afraid of uh, of bitcoin mining because bitcoin mining is something new they don't understand uh, why it needs to consume energy and people have been uh, people have been um, almost manipulated in the last years to believe that energy consumption is something bad but uh, it's not energy consumption is is good it incentivizes more energy production mm-hmm. what was your what was your thesis about like what um is has this this tension between energy production being good or being bad was this talked about in your master's program and in energy management like what what was the purpose of your degree how how has this conversation happened prior to Bitcoin? Because this this whole, like, is energy production good or bad is not new, is it? Uh, I would say that it's uh, it's uh, pretty new. It has at least uh, become, like, um, it has at least intensified the last, like, let's say, five years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, in Norway, for example, we uh, the reason why Norway is a good place to live, why it's one of the best places to live, is because of our oil and gas revenues. And um, and uh, I studied energy management, and I know that like a few years ago, this uh, this um, degree was hundred percent focused on oil and gas. Now, when I studied studied, it was almost no focus on oil and gas. It was only renewables. And um, and I know I know that the the it has become even more focused on that after I stopped going there. So so like um, it's almost like people in in Norway, for example, we we um, we understand that oil and gas is the source of our wealth, but it's almost like we don't want to to talk about it. We're trying to like hide it which I think is interesting. 
I want to ask you, so I want to ask you a question about the stock market leading up to, and then cover your ranking of the public miners. And maybe this is too broad, but I, I just want to kind of ask and see what you think. What, what is the purpose of being a public company? Like, what is the purpose of the stock market? Yeah. Uh, the purpose is to access capital. And um, being publicly listed, you can access capital uh, much easier than if you're not publicly listed. And Bitcoin miners, Bitcoin mining is a really capital intensive business. So they need uh, they need access to to cheap capital. Like uh, lowering the cost of capital is so, some of the most important uh, thing you can do as a Bitcoin miner. And therefore, you see a lot of Bitcoin miners going public, even smaller miners. And um, that's um, yeah, that's really the purpose: lowering the the cost of capital. Mm-hmm. And so. Yeah. So let's get into your rankings, because then I just want to know how, how you, you said doing analysis on Bitcoin miners is unique compared to doing analysis on any other company. Is that primary? Like, is that because their income like is in Bitcoin or is it is it bigger than that? Uh, the main reason why it's uh, a bit difficult to estimate the value of a Bitcoin mining company is primarily because it's a new industry and uh, the the it's a it's a lot of uncertainty re- related to the Bitcoin price so mm-hmm. like the the biggest driver of these stock uh, stock uh, prices are definitely the Bitcoin price mm-hmm. um, and you have you have also like a lot of other factors for example these companies they differ in their treasury management strategies so you have to accommodate how much bitcoin do they hold um and uh, but but in 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 uh, in uh, i think i think really uh, analyzing these companies are not that different from analyzing other uh, commodity producers for example oil companies or oil, oil yeah. producers uh, you can. Uh, that's also why I think it's so interesting. You can, you can analyze them with uh, models from from uh, that you used to analyze other mm-hmm. stocks in other industries. Mm-hmm. Like you can use, for example, uh, for example, um, EV EBITDA, which is a very popular valuation model. Uh, you also have some uh, some speci- some industry specific valuation model like uh, ev hash rate uh ev uh EV, yeah you, you have a lot right. of models so, so that's actually that's fair and that made me think of a different question about comparing bitcoin miners to other commodity producers and so what i'm what i'm trying to tee up for myself like and for the listeners just what is the case for like buying a bitcoin miner anyways like before we get to the ranking because I, I again i love your ranking and like i have my own reason of like the one account that I own miners in and the reason why I do, but what, from your perspective, what is the purpose of buying a, a public, a commodity producing stock rather than the underlying commodity? Yeah, so uh, for me, there are two reasons why I buy Bitcoin mining stocks. Um, the first reason is that uh, these stocks have the oppor- the potential to outperform Bitcoin um so they're like high beta bitcoin 
So it's really just to get more leverage on my existing Bitcoin holdings. Um, at the same time, I think in the long term, only a few of these stocks will outperform Bitcoin. I think most of them will not outperform Bitcoin in the long term, but the best companies will. Um, the second reason is that it can be tax efficient to, to, to hold these stocks at least uh, here in Norway, I think it works the same way in America. You have these IRA-like uh, accounts that you can hold stocks. You don't need to tax to pay taxes until you take the money out of the account. So in that way, let's say you have a portfolio with 60%. You have a Bitcoin portfolio. You have a 60% Bitcoin, which is like the core component. And this is Bitcoin in cold storage, which you never sell. And then yep. you have uh, the rest in Bitcoin mining stocks. Mm -hmm. And you, you then can use the Bitcoin mining stock component to adjust your Bitcoin exposure according to how bullish you are mm -hmm. um, and without paying taxes. Because if Bitcoin, let's say it goes to 200K in the next bull run, then and you start to think that, okay, now the... You start to understand that okay, maybe it's uh, will go down soon again. Uh, then you can uh, you can uh, just sell and buy. You can diversify into other stocks, and in the next uh, bear market, you can buy some more um, mining stocks. Yeah. Uh, I I understand that like a lot of people just want to sit invested in Bitcoin all the time. But uh, I think if you pay attention to the market, you can understand uh, at least you can uh, you can understand a little bit when Bitcoin is is priced low and when it's priced high. You can look at the investor sentiment, and you should take profits sometimes. Um, and sometimes it's good also to diversify into other other uh, other stocks also or other investments. But you should do it in uh, the most tax-efficient way possible, because uh, if you can uh, can avoid paying taxes, uh, why not? It's a risk-free. Uh, it's a risk-free yeah. return. For sure. So it's just funny you bring that up because so Choice App like gives people in the U.S. the ability to invest in Bitcoin within their tax-efficient accounts, and so this conversation about like holding Bitcoin versus the mining stocks is like like lots of people are interested in this. Like it's very like top of mind for people because you're exactly right. Like when enough people don't know that they are able to own Bitcoin directly in the tax-efficient accounts, you're right. They go to the like derivatives and are very interested on you know how uh, and with. Yeah, like how how can I um, still own Bitcoin exposure within this account? Or yeah, and the beta on it—that's what a lot of people say with gold miners, also, right? Like gold miners are supposed to like you know rip a little bit faster if you're long gold. So all right, I kind of played it up enough. Like I love your thread on just analyzing them and ranking them. So yeah, tackle it for us. Tell us. I have your second article open too about the EV over EBITDA. Um, so yeah, give us, give us a little bit of the lingo and t which one is the best, which one are we supposed to buy? <laughs> Thank you. So, um, I've been looking because this time is, uh, I think it's a good time to enter Bitcoin mining stocks. Mm -hmm. Um, so 
as uh, because I'm motivated to to enter Bitcoin mining stocks, and I already have uh, have put a lot of capital into Bitcoin mining stocks recently. Okay. I need to do analysis, and uh, I did uh, two type of analysis. I first anal- analyzed the quality of the companies, their balance sheet strength, and their Bitcoin production cost. And the second was their valuations, because sometimes as a value investor, you you can even buy a weak company if it has a very low valuation. Um, but let's take the quality analysis first. Uh, the Bitcoin production cost, uh, it's important uh, for one, they, they, it's generating high cash flows, and two, the miner with the lowest Bitcoin production cost is the last to, to, to turn off its machines. Uh, so you have, for example, um, Stronghold has a very low production cost. You have Argo as well. Riot also has a really low production cost. And uh, then you can look at the total cash flows because now in the bear market, nothing is as important as having cash flows coming in each month. Core Scientific has extremely big cash flows compared to most of the other companies. Uh, Riot also have a, have good cash flows because uh, Riot has a lot of hash rate plugged in. And that's also why I like Riot because Riot has, uh, has uh, they're awaiting uh, huge machine deliveries out this year, but they actually have places to plug in these miners. Mm-hmm. They have the infrastructure ready, so uh, so I don't think uh, Riot has will have uh, any problems. I think they are one of the stronger miners, and we can also look at um, we can also look at the balance sheet strength, debt to equity ratio. We see that the we have seen that the miners with uh, a lot of debt, like Core Scientific have been the ones who actually needed to sell all their Bitcoin at uh, very low prices. Uh, and the core scientific, their debt was uh, was machine collateralized debt. Uh, and uh, for example, Bitfarms also, they had the Bitcoin collateralized debt. And Bitfarms and core scientific were the ones who had to sell the most Bitcoin. So it proved to be a very risky debt uh, but if we look at the debt to equity ratio, it's uh, CleanSpark and the right blockchain who have the, the least debt of, of any miners. So, uh, so uh, I would say they are the, the strongest companies from a, a balance sheet perspective. We can also look at, the, at the, their liquid assets. Their marathon has the most liquid assets because they have so much cash and Bitcoin on their balance sheet. So, um, but yeah, overall, the, the highest quality mining company, I would say is, uh, like in my analysis, I wrote Argo, uh, but uh, I also think Riot is, uh, is a really strong company, uh, which I, I really like. Um, and the weakest company from a operational perspective is is marathon simply because they struggle with getting their hash rate online and uh, that brings us over to the valuations and uh, mm-hmm. marathon also has the highest valuations um 
even Be, though before we pivot to valuation, kind of frame. All right, so over there, what were the what were the three things again? The it's uh, the the energy prices, like the Bitcoin production cost, mm -hmm. and their their cash flows, yep. like the pure cash flows, and their uh, debt to equity ratios. Yeah. So we so you ranked all of them, and we'll link this whole thread in the show notes. So you ranked all of them uh, on those three grounds. And then next, it's like, so that's the pref like the preferred ranking based on those three things. But then now valuation, tell me if I'm saying this right. Valuation is then you comparing the price of the stock to your like preferred ranking, right? It's kind of like we're playing fantasy football, like whichever one's available, like, can we get it though at the price we want, right? Is that, yeah, am I describing yeah, exactly. valuation correctly? Okay. Exactly. For example, um... I would say Riot is a really high quality company, but if we look at it from a valuation perspective, they they don't have the lowest valuation, but that's okay because they're such a high quality company. So they should be priced at a premium compared to some of the other companies which are weaker. Still, their their valuation is not like really high, but it's it's a bit higher in in the high spectrum. Um, but if we look at the EVE beta, which is and what does uh, that mean? It's enterprise value divided by the uh, by uh, earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization, and it's really a measurement of how much cash the company is generating uh, relative to the the total valuation of the company. So. Um, and this valuation metric works in all industries. And normally, uh, as uh, if it's lower than 10, it means that the company is undervalued. And we have uh, very low valuations in the mining industry right now. Like, for example, CleanSparks EVE beta is like 2.9. And uh, it's it will be really, really hard to find in any industry in the world companies with such low valuation and that's based on the on the current bitcoin price which is really low mm -hmm. so uh, if the bitcoin price increases their ev ebitda will be even lower mm -hmm. uh, they will be even more undervalued so if we so just from this from this uh, ratio it can increase their like their valuation is really low so um even if nothing happens to the Bitcoin price, I still think, think some of these stocks uh, will increase over the next year or two. Mm -hmm. But if the Bitcoin price increases, they can increase a lot. Um, the only company which is have an EV EBITDA higher than 10 is Marathon of the eight companies I analyzed. Stronghold, CleanSpark, Hut8, Bitfarms, Argo, Riot, Core Scientific, they all have less than 10 in EVE beta. Uh, we can also look at their, at their, the, at their assets to val uh, value them. Uh, the best asset valuation metric in the mining industry is the enterprise value, like EV, which is the total value of the company. And we divide mm -hmm. it by the ASIC value, the value of their ASICs. And we can find the value of their ASICs uh, through hash rate index because they track the, the market value of, uh, of ASICs. So um, 
for example, CleanSpark, they're also really uh, undervalued based on that metric. They have 1.9, which means that uh, if you buy ASICs through CleanSpark stock, you pay 1.9 times what if you bought ASICs in the ASIC market. And uh, that's not a lot. And we have to also consider that CleanSpark are awaiting deliveries of more ASICs. So yeah. if, if we look at the, uh, the enterprise value divided by the contracted ASIC value, the ASICs de- that will be delivered this year, it's only 0.6. So you actually get a discount on the, on the ASICs by buying it through CleanSpark. So they're almost valued less than their their assets are valued in the market, which is pretty crazy. That, that is crazy. That's wild. That's like what that's like what's happening to like GBTC right now. Of like you're yeah. buying Bitcoin at a discount. That's yeah. interesting. And you're doing the same ratio, but to the ASICs that the that the companies hold. That's I'm gonna think a lot about that. Um, I want to. So I, I want to use that to almost then take it full circle and just end on this concept of like growth versus value. Like back to when you like thinking about Warren Buffett and just thinking about value investing. And I asked you about just the, I asked you about the purpose of the stock market. Yes. From the point of the company, like the purpose of a company going public is to have more capital to do more of what they do. This is again, kind of broad, but like what is the purpose of an individual kind of like looking at this like value versus growth decision define value versus growth also yeah so uh value stocks are stocks which are not really growing and uh, maybe growing like uh, two three percent uh, a year and they have uh, it's businesses that they reach their maturity and they're they're delivering cash paying dividends to the shareholders uh, and growth stocks, it's stocks that are companies that are growing fast. And these stocks are usually not running at, these companies are usually not running at a profit. They're often running with negative uh, negative uh, margins with losses. Uh, but the expectations are that they will deliver profits in the future. And uh, during uh, during the last, let's say, 10 years, I think growth stocks has uh, crushed value stocks. Um, growth stocks are also more risky usually than, than value stocks. Uh, you can also, you could also say that um, stocks that just are, have a really low value in the stock market, really low valuation, these stocks are also value stocks. In uh, in the beginning of Warren Buffett's career, he was not interested in the quality of the companies. He was only buying if if a stock was un- undervalued, he would buy it no matter mm-hmm. if uh, the company was high quality or not, and that gave mm-hmm. really good results. But uh, as he got older, he uh, started to only buy really high quality companies and just hold them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- that the analogy that popped in my head for that, it's almost like counting cards. Like when you're looking for the value, like you're just looking for the best opportunity to like enter. And you're, because companies have, the purpose of a company is to like make money. The purpose of the company is to make money. And so you want to font like, 
I've always, I've always just thought about this. So then you're trying to invest in companies that then if their, their ability to make you money should be tied to their share price. Like you as a responsible investor are investing in a company that's making more money, has the ability to make more money. You should be rewarded with a like higher share price. But to be honest, I think a lot of people are in this bucket. It feels very random. It feels completely random. So like what you started off with about just like, you're doing all this research of like trying to like think critically about this and other people are just picking the trendy growth stock and it's just like working. That's, is that because like of the monetary like debasement or like what why is that like why the same way that you're like oh when you sell bitcoin then you you can understand how people have a negative taste towards it like i can understand why people have a negative taste towards the stock market like just in general too like it just feels very it can feel very random i don't know any thoughts on that uh yeah like um the um, value stocks have tended to perform well in inflationary environment uh, while growth stocks has uh, performed worse uh, so we see now a, like a rebound of uh, of uh, value value stocks as uh, inflation has increased especially energy stocks um but yeah i i can say that uh, that um like mo- most people uh, probably uh, shouldn't invest in uh, in stocks i think um or at least they should should own only like really high quality companies that have existed was, for a long time i was about to bring up index funds cuz i realized that's the one thing we haven't touched on either like kind of passive versus active investing like when i say random also like index funds feel very like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like they're just growing because of their inflows. Like there's so much just passive inflows turned on because of structural decisions of just the way our society works. Like it's like these index funds are just growing based on structural inflows. Yeah. I I actually, I'm uh, I'm a bit negative towards index funds as well because because, uh, I believe... I believe that if you give someone, as, if you like outsource your wealth decisions, um, you are in the risk of getting scammed. I know that you can be scammed by picking your own investments. You are in the risk too, but at least you will learn something in the process by only like closing your eyes and putting them in your money in an index fund. Uh, I think in the long term, you will not perform that well. Like historically, yes, you have performed uh, really well by doing that, but times are changing, and uh, and uh, if an if the market gets uh, if if valuations get completely distorted, uh, due for example due to index fund and passive invest mm-hmm. investing, you don't want to you want to to exploit opportunities then. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I really think there will be a lot of opportunities just because people not care. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. But I, I still think that for, for most people, uh, if they're not interested in investments, it's better for them to put their money in an index fund. But uh, then they can't complain if they don't get uh, good returns. Mm-hmm. What... um. While I have you, I also want to ask you a question just about dividends. It uh, it has always bothered me that like dividend stocks 
like the company is not required to pay out dividends, right? They're not required to pay out dividends. So it's like when people talk about their dividend portfolio, you're basically just going off of the history of them doing it, right? And how quality of a company they are is based off yeah. of how many times they haven't missed it and like certain ratios of yeah. how much they pay out based to their earnings, right? How do you how do you as an analyst think about dividends if you do? Um, I don't care about dividends at all. Like I I think if a company has money that it that it it, it has excess capital inside the company and it can't get better returns on this capital by investing it in new business activities mm-hmm. inside the company then it's better to pay the company uh, to pay dividends to investors but um mm-hmm. but paying dividends just to pay dividends which a lot of companies do which has a history of paying dividends like they they need to pay dividends just to please investors and if they miss dividends the stock will will decrease I think that's a, a bad way to allocate capital. Um, it's almost like uh, for Bitcoin miners that uh, that uh, just say they going to hold older Bitcoin no matter what. Um, it's it's not a good uh, good uh, capital allocation decision. You should uh, have a you should be uh, you should not promise investors to hold Bitcoin or hold all your capital in Bitcoin or to pay dividends no matter what you need to be flexible and at any time choose what is the best to do with your your capital so i i don't really care about dividends to be honest for sure no and that's what it makes me so i kind of shared my cynical side on like stock market but then when i try to draw myself back i'm like the at the end of the day like entrepreneurs and founders the same way we talked about like energy production is good like creating pulling an idea into reality is good like using money to pull an idea into reality is positive like that is super positive and you're right and that's why like if i have excess funds as an investor and i don't have any good ideas at the time in order to use this money to pull an idea into the world I should do, give it to a founder who has an idea and has the ability to operate it and execute it and pull it into the world. Like, and that's, that's what business is like. And I, I've been enjoying just reminding myself of that like lately. And I think others have too, just like getting back to basics of um, that's what I, and that's what it feels like when I, I'm in no way like a researcher or analyst at the level that like, you are, but it feels cool to like, you're analyzing the decisions of these boards, like of like, what are you doing with the funds that you've been blessed with? Like, how are you impacting the energy grid? How are you like doing it? Um, that, yeah, that feels good. Any like, what philosophical thoughts like down that, down that trail? Um, yeah, I, I could, uh, like, I, I agree with everything you say about that um like this uh, ceos of companies this uh, management they're really capital allocators like that's what their job really is um if they can't get better returns on the capital inside the company if they don't find anything to invest in they should distribute their money in dividends if they can yeah that's good that's why i'm investing in this company um 
Um, but I can talk a little bit about the the decisions of the Bitcoin mining companies to just mm-hmm. hold Bitcoin. I, I think uh, I think some of these uh, companies actually understood that it was not uh, that it could be a risky decision. Uh, I can't imagine that uh, that uh, their finance department was not even uh, modeling uh, modeling this. Um, maybe they didn't understand that the Bitcoin price would fall to 20k. Like that's a really was a really low uh, probability in 2021. Um, but I think the reason why they hold their Bitcoin was because the market wanted it. The stock market wanted it. And mm-hmm. because investors didn't understand that this can be a risky decision. Uh, so uh, investors would I- invest more money into Bitcoin miners who, who said they were going to hold lord, all their Bitcoin. So they were able to to access more equity and they yep. could also raise debt uh, that was collateralized uh, with their, their Bitcoin hold, holdings. So both the access to debt and equity was better for companies who decided to hold all, the, all their Bitcoin which gave them access to more capital and they could expand much quicker and they could use this capital to buy an enormous amount of mining rigs. Uh, And these future deliveries of mining rigs was again propping up their their, uh, stock valuations. Um, So yeah, I I think it it uh, it was working in the short term and this decision but in the in the long term it proved to be a uh, a big risk mm-hmm. and i think in the in the future these bitcoin mining companies they will have a much more sophisticated uh, uh, risk management strategy which uh, will look holistically at both the their balance sheet the treasury mm-hmm. management uh, but also at their energy then they mm-hmm. will have uh, derivatives traders, uh, energy traders, and Bitcoin traders work together in in a team to, uh, like, uh, to have a holistic view on the risk management of the of the company, and uh, I, I think this was the last, hopefully the last bull market with this like uh, retail. Uh, retail like uh, treasury management strategies and risk management mm-hmm. strategies um so uh we have seen like uh, an institutional grade uh, bitcoin mining bull market but they had the retail like uh, risk management strategies so you had all these like uh, huge companies who still hadn't really learned how to how to do risk management and I, I i understand that it's it's hard to know exactly how you're going to do it in a, such a new mm-hmm. industry um so you had like uh, like uh, this uh, three arrows capital uh, situation just uh, on less steroids basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, well said. I think that's a great place to leave it. Where can tell people how they can get in touch and where they can download your reports? You can find me in uh, on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is uh, J Mellerud, like uh, J M E L L E R U D. 
beware of uh, fake uh, fake profiles it's a lot of them um, and you can find my research at uh, arcane.no slash research perfect hey thanks so much for the time today loved it Hey all, this is Brian. You can reach me on Twitter at Brain Harrington. Shoot me a DM with any feedback from today's episode. This has been a Choice App production. Bitcoin is becoming centric to personal finance, and we want to help you learn how to better engage with Bitcoin financial services. None of this is financial advice, and is for education and entertainment only.